get inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. Edwards is out to the right. Zay Jones to the left. Looks to the right. Fires oh, back. Oh, high. He had Edwards. Yes. He had Edwards wide open and caught through high. So it will stay Washington up by two. I just think there was a miscommunication, certainly between me and, and what I wanted to do with that particular situation with Derek. So um, that, that was really on me. 48 yards, picks it away off to the right and slides through on the right side to put Washington ahead. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. What a freaking bummer of a Sunday. Brent on the call there. Yeah, when I was uh, sitting outside last night at Crazy Horse 3, we were listening to the call of the game. I thought it was a miss, but it wasn't that bad a kick. And you got this guy who's uh, barely been in the NFL, gets a job done for WFT. What a freaking nightmare. And now the Raiders are 6-6. Six and six. We'll get to that. Some... Couple of highs yesterday, lots of lows, and here we go. Raiders after a five and two start, sitting at six and six, and a bear of a schedule down the stretch. Twin Peaks on a Monday, five o'clock. We cut out. Well, we don't cut out, but Monday Night Football comes on right here on ESPN eleven hundred ninety eight point nine FM, ESPN Las Vegas. Willie will be giving out prizes, including tonight. We'll be signing people up for a pair of tickets to go check out a wild one. I don't know if the game would be a wild one, but I know the crowd will be wild because on Friday night, the Flyers are in town and Philly fans are lunatics. So, Flyers, Knights, but you got to come down and sign up for the tickets. So, we got some Vegas Golden Knights tickets going out. Or at least the, we're going to qualify folks today and we'll give out those tickets later this evening, tomorrow morning. All right, Willie, what's going on, buddy? You look uh, you look very stern today. What's wrong? You annoyed? You, you uh, all weekend long, I thought you were very, what's the right word? Uh, stern? Terse? Serious? Terse on social media because uh, you had a busy weekend. You watched a lot of football this weekend. I did. I was, I was very uh, tired and cranky, so the last thing I needed was salty coaches and players. Yeah, they were all salty after losing, huh? We'll, well, we'll play Derek Carr with you in a little bit, but uh, you dealt with Cristobal on, on Friday. Sucks to, to, to lose. I get it, but, you know, it's what you get paid the big dollars for. <clears throat> you know, I was up at 4 a.m. yesterday writing some sports betting analysis. I was at Allegiant at 9.15. I was covering the game. I wrote the sidebar. I was at T-Mobile covering the Golden Knights last night. I did my job. No I, one wants to hear any of that. I was, the, the participants don't care what you do. I was pleasant. We're in the heat, they're in the heat of the moment. They're pissed. Was, there was a lot of losing this weekend. There, you know what there wasn't? There wasn't any miscommunication with me and my editor. We, we, we did fine. We did just fine. We got everything done. We were on the right, on the same page. It's trending at two. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Well, before we get to the Raiders, we got college football coaching Armageddon going on right now, and I love it. Oh, man, it's great. Because it's so unpredictable, and you got a lot of fan bases out there that are uh, real big in their britches. Actually, they're probably kind of small in their britches, but uh, this is what they have is college football and their local program. And the last couple weeks have been kind of – Smacked around, mm. and schools have no patience mm. for losing or even mediocrity. Uh, schools also have no respect for other schools, and jobs are held by others. Coaches have no respect for jobs that are held by others or their current stop. There is no loyalty. 
anywhere. And we saw another big change today in Mario Cristobal. How about this number? In this century, think about it. We're not talking, you know, 100-plus years. That would be more than a century. But 21. in this century, right, so 20, 21 years. Just shy of 21. 17 schools have reached a national championship this century. 11 of them have already had coaching changes in the last 12 months. That's how quick the turnover is. That's how high the expectations are. And we're talking about a situation now, Willie, with buyouts where coaches are leaving or getting fired early, leaving early, fired early. The buyouts have now totaled almost $100 million. That's the cost of doing business at the highest level and even the mid-level, even the mid-level. We'll get to what happened in Reno today is Jay Norvell's like, hey, you know what, I'm going to walk across the street. Yeah. It's a lateral move, but not because Reno doesn't have money. Nevada, the state, doesn't have money. So Jay Norvell is off to Colorado State. But the big story of the day today is Mario Cristobal at one of the schools that believes it's a blue blood in college football. It's been a blue blood for about 25, 27 years. I think they forget that in Eugene. And I told everyone on Friday. It's been a blue blood longer than that. No, it hasn't. Football? Absolutely not. Rich Brooks was a 500 coach. Oh, Oregon. I'm sorry. Oregon, I, thought you yeah. were ta- I thought you were talking about Miami. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah, no. And that yeah, was yeah, the whole point. Is oh, I yeah, was telling no, Oregon no. fans on Friday, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no. do you know what they have at Miami? You, Maybe you can, you, you can mock yeah. on their lack yeah, of right. investing right. in their program recently. Yeah. But you know what they have from a college football history standpoint? Like, they actually won national championships. Mm. Now, it's been a while. But when people in Eugene, Oregon, with no players in your area. Yeah are sitting there laughing at the possibility that a Miami guy may go back to Miami, egg all over the face of Ducks fans. Rough blow, but also a reality check that you bought your way into this party, you well, may not be able Phil, to keep punching Phil that. Bought their way in. Well, one guy bought them into <laughs> it. We'll see if they make the right decision and can continue to get you know past the freaking bouncers. It was interesting Friday night after Utah smacked Oregon all over the place in embarrassing fashion. Um, and I feel bad for the players because it was a very unprepared Oregon Ducks team. To, did to you did you think watching the game that some of the rumors of Friday afternoon affected them? Because we mentioned it during the Friday show that you have a Utah team that has rumors swirling that Kyle Whittingham could be done if they make the Rose Bowl. They made it, and that the Oregon coach that was out there. It wasn't like you know some. Deeply buried rumor: The Oregon coach could be on the way out. If you're a player for Oregon, you just got your ass kicked by Utah. How fired up are you to play for a guy who might have one foot out the door on Friday? You, well, I, and it's it's not a matter of whether or not the guy's got one foot out the door, okay? Because I'll give you a perfect example: Billy Napier did it right. If if there's one guy that I earned respect for, we're seeing, we're we're about to slam some some coaches and and just we're talking about coaches making moves and and this is the way the business if there was one guy that did it properly let me just say napier this dude took the job at florida but negotiate he said this is non-negotiable i will not pick up a florida anything hat shirt gear pen recruiting nothing until i am done coaching this team in the championship game of the sunbelt conference end of story that it was that was non-negotiable i started with this team i'm ending with this team and those players went out there and played their asses off against appalachian state and won that title for that dude he was up front with them he never turned away from the offer he never you know shunned it but he also said i'm with you till the end these other guys, hush, hush, blah, 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 very curt, very terse, very – Mario Cristobal 
he was it was excuse me reported that he had been offered the position at Miami and if he was going to take it that they would fire Manny Diaz uh it was Oregon then it came out that Oregon had countered with an extension big numbers nothing was obviously being talked about except for the Pac-12 championship Utah smacks him around Cristobal comes into the room. First question from one of the Oregon beat writers was, there's rumors out there. Do you think this could have an effect? Do you have something to say? He was very straightforward on the first answer, but he said, you know, before these rumors get circulated, the the narrative, so on and so forth, there were two more questions that followed, and he basically said, my favorite of all was, if there's something to report, I will report it. Because that's how I've always been. I've, I haven't. I still haven't gotten a text message or seen a tweet <laughs> tweet from this dude. I mean, apparently he took Willie the job. Lied to. I, I, we've been all lied to the entire meeting room because he oh. said that he would report it. Yesterday was a mess. The Raiders lose. Derek Carr. I'm not sure what to say about Derek Carr right now. Ritz Basaccia. I think we have a lot to say about Ritz Basaccia, but. Football team is surging. Still no excuse to lose at home, and this continues to happen. They have just not been a very good home team. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 2. It's a refi-rated Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. There's one. Uh, as I stepped up, Deshaun was running a deep cross. Just couldn't see the, the nickel linebacker, and I'm not going to throw a ball blind. Go back to the sideline, like, gosh dang, there was one. But besides that, they were just trying to stay on top as best they could. You know what I mean? I mean, there was times where I just was just trying to throw a gold ball, or just trying to, and there's two guys behind our guy. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. It's been such a weird year, the up-and-down nature of the Raiders' offense. They've taken a lot of deep shots. They've got more deep completions than anyone in the National Football League. But then there's days like yesterday where deep shots are missed. They're not even attempted, and that was Derek Carr after the game, as uh, you guys in the media pointed out, a couple of chances that Deshaun Jackson had beaten someone deep downfield. And Carr explained there that he didn't have a clear view, so he wasn't going to just throw it up there. It's always, you know, I miss that. I there was, I think it was the first game that Deshaun had, he had beat somebody, and you know, it's. I mean, we, I, we're not NFL quarterbacks. We're not back there. I mean, he could be telling the truth, but the fact is, how many of those slip by that you, you know, I didn't see him, right? You know, I or I checked down and ended up going with the short route, throwing in the flat. I mean, you have this dude and. Granted, if the route's not built for him, and that's an option, not, and you're not thinking throw him that way first, then I, maybe I get it. But, um, yeah, you mentioned the uh, the deep throws yesterday. I'm just looking here for someone who was leading the league and 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 rivaling Tom Brady for the most 20 plus yard completions yesterday. Looking down the quarterback progression chart here, Derek Carr had one, two, three of more than 20 yards. A 27-yarder, a 28-yarder, and a 34-yarder. Uh, Foster Moreau, Hunter Renfro, Deshaun Jackson. Um, he did have several double-digit passes, but uh, 
you know, the big plays. And they took some shots. I mean, minus the two at the end of the game. He had some off throws. Miss Zay Jones in the corner of the end zone. Um, it just wasn't clicking. It, it just wasn't there, that that feel, that, you know, throwing on the dime. It, he just didn't look like he had it. And, yeah, you know, Washington has been an improved football team on defense. Um, that's been their bread and butter during this four-game win streak. And realistically, if you go back five games, the loss that they had before this four-game win streak, their defense played well in that game. Um, it's slipping my mind here, but I will pull it up and I will tell you that game. Um, it was against Denver. It was at Denver in a 17-10 loss. So, And before that, they went to Green Bay and held the Packers to 24 points. So 24, 17, 19, 21, 15, 15. Those are the last six games. Prior to that, they had given up 31, 33, 30, 43, 29, 20. So this is a defense that has played well. Beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right, so um, under pressure, sure, I get it, but they fought through it. They got six wins. They beat the Baltimore Ravens in a shootout. They beat the Miami Dolphins in overtime. They went into Dallas and won on Thanksgiving. The fact that they could not put up, score one touchdown, or that they always scored one touchdown, and it took till the fourth quarter to do so. A couple of choices to kick field goals early enough in the game where you got to take some shots. I don't know how much that says about Basaccia or how much it says about his confidence in God. It feels a lot like what we, I, complained about the last couple of years with Carr, but I pinned a lot of it on the coaching staff, and Greg Olson is still around. I'm not sure how much Basaccia has in terms of input on what goes on offensively. During the game, but the entire picture this year, Willie, the Raiders have now been held to 15 or fewer points in four of the seven home games. That's another alarming thing. They are not good at home, not the way it's supposed to be. I don't see any reason that's happening. But yesterday, the biggest thing, and it was you know, it was funny listening to the post game. Uh, JT was irked, and he pointed out something real accurate. How many times on third down are you going to throw in, I guess, behind the sticks? Or, listen, I understand it's the rage now in football, the horizontal pass game, but how many passes at the line or behind the line on third and five, third and four, third and three are you going to throw? Is that car or is that the call? No, that's the call. Why didn't they learn their lesson against the Bengals in the opening possession when they got the turnover? On Cincinnati has the first drive, and then there's a turnover. They hand the ball off to Josh Jacobs, who gets three yards, and then your second and third down passes are behind the line of scrimmage. One of them to Wallers goes for minus two. So you got the ball in the opening minutes off a turnover at your stadium, crowd going crazy, and you got plus one yards when you got the ball handed to you at your own – the opposition's nine-yard line, two of those passes behind the line of scrimmage. I don't get it. Especially, let's just forget about Deshaun Jackson for a moment. Let's forget about Zay Jones and his capabilities, athleticism. Let's forget about Hunter Renfro. Okay? That doesn't have the speed as Wes Welker, but he sure does have the nads as Wes Welker to go anywhere on the field and get it. What about Brian Edwards in that big body? Going up on -on one-on-one, man-to-man. 
I'll take that dude. He's not Randy Moss, but he's got Randy Moss. You know, that that's that aspect of wide receiver that we're talking about. Terrell Owens, big body, strong dude who can outmuscle one-on-one. But that's, you know, I, I, I want to address one thing. You said, is it Pisaccia? On the fourth down calls to kick the field goal, I don't think that Greg Olson. No, no, that's him. Right. That's so. That's what I was critiquing. Right. But the play calling, absolutely Olson. Um, but to deciding to kick the field goals when you should go for it, and you know, I think we're going to bring it up later in the show in terms of edge, um, edge sports and, and where they rank coaching decisions. Got to bring it up now. He was had the second and third worst coaching decisions uh, per Edge Sports EDJ Sports. We get that email every single week, um, or I do. I know. I think Adam does as well. But Rich Passaccia had the number two and number three worst coaching decisions of week 13. I'm pulling up the link because I just read the email. And, uh, yeah, Rich Passaccia decides to punt from just across midfield, trailing 7 nothing. Rich Passaccia decides to punt near midfield, trailing 7 nothing, both times. The number one, coincidentally, was Ron Rivera deciding to attempt a field goal late in the fourth quarter, trailing by one. Yeah, it seemed so, like the whole freaking game was played between the 35s, and it was coaches dueling to freaking punt it away somewhere between the 35s. And hope, for, hope, to, hope to get in field goal range. Punt, field goal. Well, punt, I mean, the, the, the final drive to get a field goal. What's most important? <laughs> Keeping the ball away from Taylor Heineke? Or scoring a touchdown because it seemed like the focus was we need to drain the clock because the great Taylor Heineke is on the other side. And if we get a touchdown, we get a touchdown. And the Raiders did take the shot on third and seven, but Carr overthrew the ball. But how about be a little more aggressive and not worry about freaking running down the clock starting at about six and a half minutes? It's Taylor Heineke on the other side who had thrown for like 150 yards. You got a good defense. Be aggressive. Score a G-damn touchdown. Stop the freaking field goals. It's, a, it's very bothersome and troublesome for me, and I wrote the sidebar story. Josh Dubow was in town to cover the Pac-12 championship. We were, the, we were there Friday and then yesterday. Um, since week, I want to say seven, um, week eight, or during their slide mainly, the Raiders la- rank dead last in third down conversion. Dead last. You know who ranks dead last in the league for the entire season, the defense in allowing third down conversions? Washington football team. Over 50%. Raiders converted two yesterday. Two for eight. Two for eight. It's amazing. Uh, I mean, and it, me. like, I, like I said last week, I don't understand what Basachi is holding back. Like, bro, this is your chance to be a head coach in the NFL. You got to make the playoffs. Maybe win a game in the playoffs. Yesterday, you're, you're, it's, it was Gruden style all over again. And even John Gruden got more aggressive at the beginning of the season. Playing for field goals in this league is just, it's death. Well, he, he had a very. Um, and then what was the, the, the quote after the game? By him? I'm sitting there listening to the post game, and I'm like, if we're all results-based. Oh, yeah. Results-based thinking. Yeah. It's the NFL, Rich. That's, all that's that what we are. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, well, the one and one that stood out to me, where it's 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 evident that things are starting to get. You know, I think you know Josh Jacobs is making comments without saying something. Um, Basaccia, you know, everybody's making these little comments 
without saying you're not you don't want to put anyone on blast, but you're trying to say it politic you know, diplomatic. You're trying to be diplomatic, but Basatya he had said uh I'm trying to find it here. Well, oh, here, 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 here yeah. he says we have to come up with some plays somehow. Greg Olson. Find a way to make play with people on us, receivers. Find a way to make a throw even when we're under duress. Derek Carr. Just say it. But basically you did, you know, and that's why, well, we'll talk about that a little bit. Go ahead. I'll keep going. That's why I, when Derek Carr came in, asked him specifically, things were working those first two weeks when Olsen took over the play calling. Well, they must be watching the film or something, Derek. But, uh, and I didn't say, Rich said this, that I just, you know, said. Now things aren't. You know, last week in Dallas, things look good. Now this week's not. It's back and forth. You've lost four or five. All I said was, are you content with how the play calling is going, or do you think a change needs to be made? I didn't say, does Olsen need to be fired? I didn't even need just. I didn't even say, does he need to stop playing the calling the plays? I just said, does it there, does a change need to be made? Does he need to maybe call more vertical plays? Are you sure you're retelling the story? I want to hear it. Derek, for as well as the offense was playing when Greg started calling the plays and then all of a sudden for the last five losses, are you, as the quarterback leader of the team, are you content with how the play calling is going or do you feel at this point that there needs to be a change? To answer your real question, I love Ole and he's doing a great job. I thought your real question was at the end. Does there need to be a change? I, I never the lead asked him play, play it again. Was the lead in poor? What was he annoyed about? Derek, for as well as the offense was playing when Greg started calling the plays and then all of a sudden for the last five losses, are you, as the quarterback leader of the team, are you content with how the play calling is going or do you feel at this point that there needs to be a change? To answer your real question, I love Ole and he's doing a great job. At this point, do you feel there needs to be a change? That's the real question. So he answered it. I didn't even say that was a question. I ended with the question. I didn't even need to say. I didn't even. I didn't even ask. You didn't bury it. It was right there. That the final statement was: Does basically does he need to go? Does there need to be a change? Does he need to be replaced? Does he need to be, or does he need to change the way he's playing, calling the plays? Anything. But I didn't ask him if he loved Ole. He's not doing a great job. If they lost four of the last five games, that offense can't get going. An offense that was clicking, and you have. One of the best deep ball threats statistically in the last 20 years. He hasn't been in the league 20 years, but Sean Jackson's numbers rate among the best in the last 20 years. You've got capable receivers. I've got news for you. The absence of second-year player Henry Ruggs, RIPT in the 10th floor, is not the cause of the is not the demise of this offense. Did he miss Darren Waller? Probably. Foster Moreau is capable. Hunter Renfro, capable. Zay Jones, capable. Brian Edwards, capable. Deshaun Jackson, capable. Maybe Derek Carr's incapable. Yeah, some uh, some strong comments. I saw one fan say, this is exactly what you want to hear the leader of your team say. I think that's sarcasm. A real winner would throw that mother, you know what, blind, falling down with their off hand if it meant getting the ball to the open receiver. This guy just makes an excuse on why he didn't instead. Loser mentality. I think that's a little strong. That was back to the Deshaun Jackson stuff. Yeah. You know, that he was open a couple of times, and Carr said, 
You know, I'm not going to throw the ball blind. <laughs> Don't hold back. Well, let's go, William. When you have, when you run a route, or you know, they he said it. He said it before. Didn't he tell us that before the Dallas game? Hey, look, if we see a look that the defense is giving us, and we share that look just before at the line of scrimmage, I he even I, I I'll find the quote during the next break. I'll find the quote, but he said something to the effect of you know. Knowing where the route's going to be run, he knows where I'm going to throw it, so on and so forth. Dude, you are in the NFL. If a route's going to be run, Steve, light pole football back in the 70s and 80s, hey, I'm going to throw the nerve at the at the tail light of the Cadillac. Sure. Just get there. I'm not waiting to look for you. I'm going to throw it to the tail light of the Cadillac. You know how many hoods and, and, and trunks I rolled across and playing street ball, light pole football with the nerve? Come on, man. The Ultimate Sports Lodge, where you can watch every game in HD. The beer is an icy 29 degrees, and the food leaves you coming back for more. Twin Peaks Lodge in Henderson. Exactly what you wanted from that play, John, just not executing. Uh, oh, he saw the play. I mean, it's that close. You know, it's a game of inches. You saw the Alpacino speech, and then you give him Sunday, right? There you go. That's football. That's, that's uh, just that close. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. That was a great one yesterday. Ravens lose to the Steelers. Harbaugh going full analytics. Old school folks will debate that move. Analytics guys, Harbaugh could lose that situation 10 times in a row, and analytics folks would be like, still a great move. So I saw a lot of celebrating that uh, in spite of the Ravens losing that Harbaugh made the right move, and you know, we're talking about aggression with this Raiders coaching staff, aggression with Derek Carr, and at times it, it just doesn't seem like, especially on the sidelines, there's a real sense of urgency. Like, everyone's job is on the line here. Yeah. What is there to lose, Willie? Nothing. Right? They're, they're You're probably, already they're, losing they're, the game. Ol- Olsen and Basaccio are probably long shots to retain their positions. I mean, I know you made the pitch last week that if Basaccio doesn't come through as a head coach, he should be recommended to join the next staff, but that's not a guarantee as a special teams guy. So what do you got to lose? You're 6-5. and five. The division is starting to move away from you if the Chiefs and the Chargers get a little more consistent. They both won yesterday, so now they're ahead of both the Broncos and the Raiders. What is there to lose? And we've been talking about this, this division. If you, if you, if you keep saying the, same th- or saying the same thing over and over and over again, at some point you're like, you know what? It's time to make a change. I want to get back to the Raiders in a little bit. So speaking of that. To answer your real question. Yeah, I know. Speaking of that, clearly there are some college football coaches out there who wanted to make some changes, right? So at the highest level, Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma to USC. Mm -hmm. Brian Kelly, Notre Dame to LSU. Mm -hmm. Shocker today. Mm. Not shocking that he left. Shocking where he went to, the fact that it wasn't a power five, which I think is kind of sad that he hasn't had offers. He's 58 years old. Jay Norvell is a really good coach. Good guy. Hasn't really had the tires kicked much by power five openings. They hired a freaking high school coach at Texas Tech. Okay. Did I the right to stop there? Yeah, whatever. Um, Jay Norvell takes the Colorado State job, which I saw some people say is a lateral move or down. That is not the case. Because in this era now of the arms race, mm. Reno 
frankly, money-wise, ain't keeping up. They've got a good football program, and they've got a good football tradition. But I'm guessing Jay Norvell looked around. You remember the, the last time this happened, and people aren't going to remember this, but the last time this happened was at Fresno. Rodney Terry was rolling, and then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I'm going to take the UTEP job. UTEP? Yeah, I think he got to a point at Fresno where he's like, all right, this place, they're not going to invest money in this program. And I f- feel like when Norvell speaks on this, I think you may get a couple of statements like, I just wasn't getting the next level stuff I needed. And Colorado State has money. And they got enough that they just pissed it away on Steve Adazio and gave him a $3 million buyout, bad hire in the first place. And now they've hired one of the better coaches in the league. I think it's a good move by Jay Norvell. And now Reno has a lot of questions to answer. Is it troublesome that – I mean, I don't know that. You co- you're you there. You're in depth. You're, you know, up – I haven't had a chance to just because UNLV's had such a downtime. So, with AP, I'm not in tune as much, and it's very spotty, the coverage. Is it troublesome that Colorado State does have the, the finances and neither UNLV nor Reno doesn't? Um, well, I mean, that's a, to me, that's a whole different layer to this story that I definitely wanted to get into. Yeah, I've been saying for – five, six, seven years since this arms race really started to explode and this state for some reason has been deemed an outsider and not a have. Where I have not, I don't know why that is. Because where I have when it comes to major league sports, but why are we a have not when it comes to collegiate sports? And I've been saying for five, six, seven years that while people get annoyed that public servants and politicians get involved in sports, they should be involved. The state, the two schools, if they don't fund themselves... They can't compete. And DRF was able to get enough money to, you know, get Marcus Arroyo a healthy salary. Think about this. And I think Marcus Arroyo is going to do good things. I think he's going to clean up with this transfer portal stuff, and they're going to have a a good team next year, and they'll turn around at least half of those games that they lost inside eight points where they went 0-6. But really, Jay Norvell was making half of what Marcus Arroyo makes. He's the lowest-paid coach in the Mountain West Conference before he bolts for Colorado State. I mean – while I will defend, you know, Reno from the standpoint like they are a have not because this state is not in the freaking cornucopia of goodness of this NCAA bonanza with all this money. The flip side of it is, how do you let a coach get continue to have the lowest salary, second lowest salary in the league when salaries all over the place are going up, and your neighbor to the south has a coach with double your salary? You were just asking for this for Norvell to move on, asking for it. Guys making like seven hundred grand a year? Huge loss. I mean, I think it is a pretty big loss. It's a big loss. Now, I, I I think they have a great football program, and I think their AD is is really good. And I still think Alford was a good hire. And I still think you know that Reno basketball program is going to be a big player at the end of the year. So, but it has. Been I, a big I, I believe he will. They will get someone good, but they had someone good, and they lost them probably over money and a lack of commitment money wise to other things around the program. Well, and what that does is it puts a little bit of a black eye on it because whoever comes into it could come in with the mindset like, hey, let me go turn this thing around for your stepping stone. Well, you know, I, anyone who comes into it, this is such a deeper discussion. Anyone who comes into this is going to have to ask, like, what is going on? Why did he leave? Right. Am, am I going to get the facilities that maybe he was asking for but didn't have? Like, I will not take the job unless there's a bigger commitment. And I'm guessing, by the way, I know there's a lot of hemming and hawing for two or three days with Mario Cristobal. And my guess is most of it was, yeah, he's thinking about, hey, do I want to leave Oregon? But a lot of it is the negotiating 
for what Miami is going to have in place because it's not enough for Miami to steal crystal ball for eight or nine million dollars a year. Like, that's good for me, but what is my budget for my assistants? You know, can I pay the DC and the OC eight hundred thousand or one point two million a year? Look at these facilities. I know what they're like. They don't look much different than when I was there playing. Right. So that all goes into it. So Reno's going to be in that position where not only are they going to have to pay a healthy salary that's not freaking in the cellar, if they can do so, not in the cellar of the league, but also, hey, what are you committing to football beyond? Because, honestly, their stadium is just kind of so-so middle of the pack to bottom of the league. It is, but it's but it's, it's doable. It's that old-school feel. It's still It's still – it's, it's become a big name of the little schools, if you will, meaning like, you know, the basketball team, when it made its little run, everybody sort of became a fan favorite, you know, outside of the state of Nevada, um, whatever year that was, what, a handful of years back, right, when they didn't they get to the Sweet 16 and um, Musselman with Musselman. Uh, the football team has generally been a decent program. It still has that small school feel. Right in Lawler events and at Mackey Stadium, and it's got an enthusiastic crowd. I will say this: it's got a, a lot more enthusiastic college crowd, college town feel than UNLV did. It's 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 what UNLV used to feel like when I was growing up here. So, you know, the the right person that's got to come in there. Here's what I have to think. Here's what I think: the money that you and I get it. This is Las Vegas. And this town has boomed, and I get it. I've, I've watched this town grow from 300,000 to 2.4 million people. But that's still Reno with casinos, right? A lot of properties, a lot of corporations that are down here that are up there. A lot of donors to the Nevada school system. Someone's got to be asking the questions as to when they're going to get their share of donations and money and funding and like you said, facilities, Tony Sanchez had his fingerprints all over that, right? And he helped build that for Tita. But there's enough money in this state from a casino gaming standpoint. And now sports betting is legal, and you're seeing sports betting sponsor so many things. There has to be a way that they have they they have to infiltrate some of those that funding and get an upgrade and start getting uh, better financing and backing for their athletic programs. They should. I hope they don't. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's going to be Cardo throwing. Got pressure to the left. Runs away from it. Fires back to the right. Beautiful. Hunter Renfro to the Washington 44-yard line. What a throw. What a move by Derek Carr, who was under pressure, stepped away from it to the left Lincoln and made the completion. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. All right, mixed bag this weekend, Willie. Football, Raiders, lose. Running Rebels, lose on Saturday. BGK? Winner. Okay. Vegas a winner. Vegas a winner because of hosting all these events, including NFR. It's a pretty cool weekend. UNLV Lady Rebels won also. That's a good point. You know who else is a winner? Las Vegas. You know else why why Las Vegas is a winner? Because one of the newest sports anchors in town, Tina Wynn, joining us now from Channel 13, sports anchor and reporter, Texas A&M alum, did some NBA work. Tina, how are you? 
What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me. I, I like what you, I like what you did there, Willie. I, I caught on. That, that was nice. You see that? I had to take care of my homie. So, uh, so let's start with yesterday's debacle and then move on to mm -hmm. stuff you actually love. I mean, you love all sports. I've learned that from you. But um, the we were both out at Allegiant yesterday, and um, you you've been to the facility. Mm -hmm. um, you you know you you you've been there through uh, a lot of the the uh, dis, the uh, ah, the demise of this team since the Gruden emails and then Henry Ruggs week and and now we see oh, yeah. you know yesterday what um, your just your take from yesterday and 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 what you heard from Asachi afterwards and and just how this team is just slowly declining and it, it it's really looking like it's not going to make it to the postseason. Yeah, what do they say? History has a tendency to repeat itself. I feel like that's um, something that the Raiders are kind of looking at. A couple things, um, well, three things. One, you can clearly sense how frustrated this team is. Um, they're, they're sick of losing. They're sick of the recurring um, issues and that are happening. Two things that really stood out to me on the field, um, just the slow starts, man. Like, they cannot shake this dang monkey off their back. Slow start, especially in the first half. They didn't get a touchdown until, what, the fourth quarter. But also, a lot of their drives just ended in a field goal. Um, when Nate Hobbs had that interception, I mean, that right there, I feel like, was something that was a spark that that team needed in that game when they clearly should have won. And you look at a lot of these games that the Raiders have lost. It's like, oh, should have easily won that game, should have easily won that game. But then you get to game day and things are just it's always up and down with them uh, but when he had that interception that should have been a touchdown not a field goal so those were my two big things was again just the slow starts and you come out of the second half the mistakes you can't catch up can't make up for it sometimes with this team um, and then of course those drives need to end in a, in a score not just a field goal the and you know, a lot of a lot of this has to do with some some coaching decisions. I mean, they're on third down. Okay, they're two for eight yesterday. During this losing streak, they rank dead last. I think it's around eleven percent that they're converting their third downs, um, and that's got to go to the guy playing the calling the plays, and that's Greg Olson. On fourth down, making the decision to kick the field goal, it's got to be put on Rich Basaccia. The decisions within each play, especially when you have a deep ball threat like Deshaun Jackson. Fall on your quarterback. It's a three-headed monster, and and it's very hard to point the finger. But yet you have these subliminal messages and quotes that we're getting in the post-game press conference. You know this. Well, we need to have people do this. We need to have people do that without naming anybody. Do, do you get the sense that it's beyond the the frustration you speak of? That maybe they're all without calling each other out, getting frustrated with each other. Yeah, I think. I mean, for one, they know the issues, which is, you know, the slow offensive start, issues in the red zone, third down. Um, the defense a lot does their job to give the ball back to the offense and it just ends up being flat. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I don't I don't know if I would say maybe because I know Jacobs, Josh Jacobs said something. It was kind of in listening to the Basachia's press conference earlier today where Sachia didn't kind of agree with Jacobs, and I think you also right. saw that a couple games yep. ago, too, with Derek Carr would say the offense started out flat, but yep. Sachia disagrees. So I feel like, like for me right there, there's some type of disconnection where they're not on the same page. But I think overall, they know their issues. They know they need to fix it. 
But then it's like Derek Carr mentioned yesterday, it's up and down. One day, one game we fix it, and then one game we don't. I mean, you look at their game against the Cowboys, they scored 36 points. And then you come out here against the Washington football team, and all you can get was just 15 points on the board. Right. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on. You are a college football. Uh, you, that's it's. You come from a, a, a town. T- you went to Texas A and M. Big college football there. Um, let's get your thoughts. The college football playoff rankings. Did the committee get yeah. it right or wrong? Yeah. Well, I think just overall, it's been quite the season in the college football world. A lot of chaos. A lot of upsets. And it's been a while since, you know, we haven't seen this time. We're not seeing your Clemson, your Ohio State, Oklahoma in here. And I kind of feel like it is the first time in a long time where a lot of people, you know, are agreeing with the committee. The SEC has two teams in the mix right there. A group of five team has made it. So you got Alabama, number one, Michigan, Georgia, then Cincinnati. They will be playing for a national championship. You know, after Saturday's game, it was pretty clear. It's the four teams that I think a lot of people figured the committee would put in there. It's just kind of reshuffled a bit. Bama going up against um, Georgia, which of course we all thought this is the best defense in college football, yada, yada. Completely exposed that defense, put up 41 points against them. Michigan at number two, I think they're a very well-coached, disciplined team. They definitely deserve a spot in the playoffs. They've They've had a ton of success this season, especially with that huge win over Ohio State, which was just also huge for Jim Harbaugh and his career. Um, Cincinnati, a group of five, making it in there, a fairy tale um, storybook season for them. I think Luke Fickle has went in there, has completely changed that culture. And I think back to um, the game against UCLA, I think it was the Rose Bowl in 2018. I do remember I was a senior at AM, and I remember how stunning of a win that was, and just remember how big of a deal it was for that program. And now looking back, I think that um, was a game where things just really turned around for that program. So overall, yes. I like this four-team field, and I love that Cincinnati is out here trying to crash the big boys party. All right, we're running up against it, so I'm going to get a quick prediction from you, and then I want to move on real quick and get your thoughts on the Las Vegas Bowl. So uh, who will the final two teams be, and who's your national champion? My final two teams, I excuse me, I have Bama um, in Michigan. I go back and forth on this one. I just, I can't bet against Nick Saban and if Bama and Michigan do go head-to-head for the national title I think Bama does have a chance at going in as an underdog and Bama going in as an underdog is never a good thing you saw that with Georgia this past weekend they were clearly an an underdog there there and Nick Saban and his team they love when they are the underdog so I'm gonna go my final two Bama and Michigan Bama Bama is your national champion yes so yesterday So yesterday before the game, before the Raiders game, we heard, we got the announcement. It'll be Wisconsin versus Arizona State. Wisconsin has always been a big draw when they played UNLV here. Arizona State with Herm Edwards coming, uh, Mm -hmm. Border State. So it should be a big crowd at Allegiant. Your thoughts on the Las Vegas Bowl? Yeah, well, Wisconsin and ASU won. I know Wisconsin travels so well. Um, so I definitely expect a large crowd here. I've, I've read that. Um, I know what they've got a history of playing in Vegas too, especially when the games were at Sam Boyd Stadium, and they always travel really well here. I think at a quick glance at this matchup, ASU veteran quarterback and Jaden Daniels, a kind of quarterback that's dangerous not just in the passing game but also in the rushing attack. But ASU relies a lot on that running game, and they did lose two of uh, their really um, star running backs this season, as um, Rashad White and Chip Trainum. So. 
I'm curious to see how much of an impact that will have on their offense. I think one thing is overall they need to take care of the football because Wisconsin, we've seen um, throughout this season that they're really great at forcing turnovers. So, you know, both of these teams are eight and four coming into this one, and you know that they'll look to end um, the season on a high note uh, in the Las Vegas Bowl. So I'm excited for it. Excited to see also just college football um, fans here in Las Vegas as well. Is that the Pac-12 championship and talking to some of those fans and it's always great to see um some college football fans here in las vegas well tina i appreciate you coming on today make sure you follow tina's twitter it is t tina win n-g-u-y-e-n she does a great job and you know what beyond just the friendship we've bonded i appreciate the fact that you brought sports back to ktnv because that was a long <laughs> I mean, growing up, that was you had to have sports on Channel 13, and Tina has certainly brought it back, so make sure you check her out. And she's on Twitter as well, T-T-Tina, uh, N-G-U-Y-E-N. Tina, I appreciate you, and I'll see you out at the facility this week. Thanks, Willie. Sounds good. You guys have a good one. All right, bye. There you go. Tina Wynn from Channel 13. We'll get back to the uh, football frenzy, get into the Las Vegas Bowl a little bit. Uh, this is the best matchup in terms of for Vegas and money coming to town, and we'll tell you about the uh, get-in price right now if you want to sit downstairs at the Las Vegas Bowl. Not too bad. Ice cold 29 degree beer for under $4 and cheap appetizers all game long. Get down here to Twin Peaks.